You are now listening to that meddlesome jerk. Please enjoy responsibly. Underrated movies for me could be just to take a step back again, kind of the same way we did with the TV, you know, the TV theme songs and overrated for me underrated i think of in a few different ways mostly i think just the masses like just by people in general that just kind of fall off the radar or whatever but also critics you know because there's every once in a while a movie that like is supposed to be a little brow or whatever but that still works you know anyway or or camp or tongue-in-cheek that just kind of you know people forget about or whatever like a drop dead gorgeous or something like that which you know we talked about recently but it still holds up you know it's like funny we want to really talk about it. I think we probably saw it in one of those marathons in 1999, and mm-hmm. it still holds up. Great, great. I didn't have that. I watched it not that right long now. ago. That movie still fucking holds up. Right, and and now you don't really think about it, you know. But um, people think about like Kirsten Dunst movies back then. They think Bring It On instead of that one. But I think Drop Dead Gorgeous is a way better movie. Um, I'm gonna go though with um. Oh, before I start, because it's getting late in the evening, I saw that you had 13 movies. Let's uh, let's boil it down. Let's go to to five. Let's do the, or you can speed them up or do your top five, your choice. Okay. All right. I'm going to do a lightning round and then I'll focus on a few. Okay. All right. So, so, so. When I think underrated, when I, I I clarified it all, but I think there's, there's certain movies that, um, in the campy lowbrow kind of category, I'll go with that. A movie like Rain of Fire. So, you know, great lead actors. You got Matthew McConaughey, you got Christian Bale, and you got a movie about dragons. Like, where did it fall flat? It didn't. And it's just some reason, it, I mean, every once in a while they show on TV and stuff, but I thought it was awesome. I mean, like, you don't really get those dragon movies that are grounded in, like, reality. You know, it's either, like, this fantastical kind of whatever, like, Game of Thrones realm or, like, a cartoony, like, How to Train Your Dragony kind of thing or... You know, like a talking Sean Connery dragon in that one movie in the 90s or whatever that was. Reign of Fire was like, no, dragons are a menace. They're going to burn you to fucking, you know, smithereens if you don't, like, take care of the issue. Great movie. Um, Another campy kind of movie that I think was just funny as shit back in the day, and I'd love to get my take on it now, is Freeway. It was the first time I'd ever seen Reese Witherspoon. (sighs) And it's, you know, got great dark humor. Kiefer Sutherland is like... Ah, beautiful just creep you know um i love freeway back in the day like that's one of those Dude, i could have Fre- watched freeway over part over. two is still one of the most fucking bizarre movies <laughs> yeah i bet um and then you know this movie I, look it, it gets lumped in there sometimes with like the 80s classics but not really and when you think john cusack movies there's so many others that, like rise to the four for like the masses i suppose but for like uh, for me, Better Off Dead was like in the top like three or five movies of the '80s in terms of that kind of thing. Because every single time it comes on, I would like just, those scenes were so iconic. Whether it was like the the scene where he's in the burger joint in like the dream sequence, or the French girlfriend who like whose foster parents couldn't understand French anything at French dressing, French this, or the two dollar kid who was always after the two dollar. Like, there were so many iconic things. This whole skiing thing with the or the the drag racing thing with the um, Asian guys who learned English from watching Wide World of Sports. The whole thing was brilliant. Just love my Better Off Dead, and I think it gets underrated in terms of eighties movies. Whereas Breakfast Club gets overrated. So that's, that's my 80s t- hot take. Um, and then another 80s movies that flew out of the radar that I liked as a kid, I'd love to, you know, get that take as an adult again, is uh, Explorers with um, Ethan Hawke. And that was just such a like inventive movie. Like the idea of like kids going into space, it's like, you know, you're a kid wrote it and somehow they brought it to life. The eighties was great at that, like never ending story, all these other kind of like movies that, you know, you'd think of like in your head as a kid and somehow they like made it come to life, you know, all the Jim Henson stuff like Labyrinth, all that was just crazy. Love all that kind of stuff. Um, And then there's another movie, the more modern that I think just kind of flew, flew under the radar, but ended up getting this guy, his own TV show really where he was cooking is John Favreau's chef. And because not really much happens, you know, he, he like is just traveling around. Nothing really dramatic happens. He doesn't 
not bond with the sun. Like he still, he, he bonds with the sun, it gets stronger. Yeah. And it's just him making food for like a couple hours. And you just feel like you're there with him making food. I thought it was great. I loved Chef. So that's my kind of, I'm just going to plow through those. those um, kind real of quick, before, before you move on. Please, um, yeah. Rain of Fire, I saw in theaters. Um, I, <laughs> I went and I was in, we were in Chula Vista at the time. And I remember I saw it at the Chula Vista Mall. And we, like me and my buddy got there and it was like, you know, we showed up at five and there was a 4.45 show. We're like, oh, we missed that one. Like, let's, you know, wait till the next one. And the next one was like at 10.30. We're like, all right, cool. I guess we're seeing that one. Like, you know, and it was like, well, what do you want to do? I was like, well, let's get drunk. And so that's what we did. But being, um, <clears throat> I think he was underage at the time. I think we might have both been underage. <laughs> we, we got drunk and we went into a Carl's Jr. bathroom. And it was right across the street from the mall. And um, are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. Just making sure, dude, like, because I switched rooms. I didn't. No, no. <laughs> I was like, I didn't want it to cut out. I'm just like droning on for hours. Um, Getting drunk before rain of fire doesn't seem that you know out of bounds. So here, so I we went into a Carl's Jr. and there was one stall, and it was obviously you know like the wheelchair accessible stall, <laughs> and there was one urinal. And so, like, me and him are in that one stall drinking. Oh, man. And, and so we're, you know, chugging, chugging our beers. And, like, dude, someone starts, like, pounding on the, the door. And I'm, like, uh, occupied. He's, like, okay. And, you know, he, like, he waits. And then he's, like, come on, man. I really got to go. I'm just, like, hey, man, we're occupied. And I was hoping that he would just leave. But, oh, no. That's what I get for fucking hoping. He waits it out and he's just like keeps banging on the door so finally i was like all right let's fucking like chug these as fast as possible and get out of here so we chug them out and i remember i opened the door and i walked down he's like thanks buddy he's like i gotta go and he like steps past me and then runs into the dude behind me oh my, my friend who i went with and like i hear him being like what the fuck as i'm walking out the door oh no uh so i can only imagine what was going through his head as like, you know, he's trying to take a shit for, you know, 10, 15 minutes. And, oh you know, finally two dudes come strolling, like leisurely strolling out. So we got super drunk. And then I passed out on the floor oh, of the God. movie theater. No. <laughs> like, because I was trying to sleep on the seats. And this was like before they would like go up. Yeah, uh, yeah, the armrests. Right. And so I was like, I wanted to lay down. I'm like, well, I'm fucking laying on the floor. No one's here. It's 1030 on a Tuesday night. <laughs> that <sounds> so, <laughs> um, better off dead. And one, I just watched one crazy summer. Um, to yeah. me, they're, they're pretty much, they're, they're very different movies, but like, they might as well be sequels or like they yeah. might as well, you know what I mean? Like they're part of the same family, I should say. Yeah, very, very I can't much. think of one without the other. Right. Uh, Better Off Dead is one of my favorite movies of all times. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, come on. Um, and as, and Chef, I do, I hundred I, percent I agree with you. I love, I don't know how underrated it is because now it has its own TV show. That's what I mean, right? Exactly, but but it did not make. It wasn't a big blockbuster. It didn't make a lot of money. No, and, and, it, and the critics loving it. It just kind of flew under the radar. It did flow under the radar, and I think, uh, I think it was definitely a passion project of John Favreau being like, "Well, fuck it, let me do a cooking show." Absolutely. Um, and it just so happened to be, you know, like called Chef, and then, but but I think it's a super underrated movie. Yeah, uh, I've shown it to my wife. I've shown it to my mom. You know what I mean? Like, I that's a yeah. a movie I show to people where I'm like, oh, it's a good movie, man. Like, it's yeah, like you were saying, like not not an insane amount of stuff happens, but it's still like good. Exactly, and you know what? It it the um, Brando loves the movie too, and for a 14 year old, my son Brando, you know, he's he's um 
he wants to take up cooking. It's like inspired him to do something creative. And I thought, I thought that was great. And it's like him bonding with his dad and like the father son stuff. And it's like, you know, fathers to sons, we can relate. Like there was just something so simplistic. I'm sure we've been in the kitchen cooking with our sons and there's just something like just real about that. You know, you're sharing, you're creating together and it's so basic. It's so foundational, but John Favreau is really good at the execution, you know, and that's why I think the Mandalorian has been so great, you know, honestly, because his uh, involvement in it, it's why the first Iron Man was good. It's why I, Swingers was one of my, my favorite movies in the 90s. It's just because it was just grounded in realism and like how real people talked back then. So mm. John Favreau, there's, I mean, you know, I mean, there's a reason he's got so much influence now in Hollywood is because he knows what he's, I mean, I feel like he knows what people who watch movies want to see. I agree. All right, continue. All right, and then um, you know, I, I have some other ones uh, here. Uh, Last Boy Scout, um, I thought I was underrated at the, at the time. Yeah, I thought it was a good movie. Shane Black, I think, is a pretty Dude, good. I, I think it was underrated writer. then, and like definitely, like at the, uh, how it got overlooked. I don't know. I know, but great movie, uh, great movie. I remember really liking it. A modern um, movie that I think is underrated. I. I maybe critics like it or whatever, but I haven't heard people talking about it because it has a similar type of um, uh, plot kind of in a way as Venom with Tom Hardy. And maybe it's because the guy looks exactly like Tom Hardy and Logan Marshall Green, which is one of those weird actor people that look exactly alike, but somehow they were in a movie a very, you know, very similar. Logan Marshall Green was in Upgrade recently. Mm. And it, did you see I, Upgrade? I, I did see Upgrade. I liked it. Me too. And I mean, you know what? I, it was one of those movies going in guy as well, but I thought upgrade really handled those themes of like, okay, a consciousness inside of you and control and all that kind of stuff very well. I thought going into it that, uh, I would like, dude, I, I avoided it. And like, yeah. as I saw, you know, the commercial, I was like, I'm not watching that. Right. And then I think it was on fucking either it was streaming or I pirated it or something, but like mm-hmm. I, I ended up watching it one day and I was like, it was actually pretty dude my like i had even met my wife stopped what she was doing and would like sat down and watched it with me yeah you know what and i mean like she was catching bits really and pieces well yeah yeah I, I just there was something about that movie i thought that was and it was like crisp you know it was it was like boom 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 it really kept kept me on the edge of my seat um all right i'm gonna go back to the 90s for for a little bit further example that i think has gotten some attention in recent years i'm glad it has and from a director whose films can be really campy and bad sometimes, like the Batman remakes, and it's from Joel Schumacher, actually, but he directed the movie with Michael Douglas called Falling Down. And I remember seeing it in theaters when I was like 13 years old with my parents. And even then I was like, this is different. This is something about this movie that I, because it just is about, it, it's like in real time almost. It's like three hours in this guy's day from sitting in traffic to like whatever. And you just watch him slowly deteriorate and all the symbolism too, just in terms of how it related to that, you know, the everyday working man back then, um, it didn't hit you over the head with it, even though it was so overt, you know, that you still at the time were just following this guy's story, you know, going through the day and like thinking like, why am I, am I the crazy one? Everyone around him just seemed to be a little, you know, all, everything was just a little off, you know, like why can't you order a breakfast sandwich at McDonald's when it's 1131, even though that says stop 1130, you know, that kind of thing. And then just the, the sheer breakdown mentally that, you know, he would, he would have after a few of those scenes, I think are appreciated now in hindsight more than it was back then. You know, back then, I, I don't know, it, I don't remember it being really appreciated no, but, no, um, no, dude. That movie was super no. slept on back right? then. Um, but I think now it's I think, it, I think it's coming around. I'm glad it is because I think it's underrated. I, it's also come around for bad reasons. <laughs> Maybe. But we well because what's his name? Uh, the dude who started the Proud Boys was dressing like him. Right. All right. Yeah. I mean, when he went on Joe Rogan and like he was talking about it and I remember seeing a resurgence of, you know, the white man's plight. No, uh, and that's not what I know. And that's not I, what and, and that's to. not what it's about, because dude, there's no. a whole thing where he's yelling at the racist. Exactly. Exactly. Come on, like, come it's on, just man. him Hello. being fed up with society. It's not a racial thing, but Which we can all agree with. I mean, 2020 of all years are we not just all fed up with society this year yep. you know i mean 
So yeah, and that's more what I can relate to. It. It's just being fed up with literally everyone. doesn't matter oh, yeah, who you I are. Agree. Why is everyone in my face being annoying right now? And then just breaking down because of it. That's what I take away from it. So, you know, when I first saw it, I, I liked it, but I didn't love it. Uh, mainly because I went in thinking it was going to be a little more funny. Right. And a little more action. I thought like he was going to be sure. blowing people away. And then Probably I got none that. of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but like, no, it was one of those movies that like, after like it's sitting in my brain, you know, like, cause I think I left the theater being like, meh, whatever the movie was meh. Cause I, same thing. Like I saw it in the theater with my mom. Um, yeah. And then when I left, it was just like, meh. And then, but you know, like a week later, a month later, whatever long, it was just like, no, that movie was pretty good. And then watching it, you know, when it came out on video yeah. and then catching it on TV every once in a while and being like, no, that movie's it stays fucking, with you. It's pretty fucking good. But it stays with you. There are certain that, movies. That's the thing. It stays with you. Like, it stays with unlike, you. Unlike uh, certain movies, dude, I remember watching X-Men Part 2. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, the Dark Phoenix which apparently they can't get right. Oh, God. <laughs> um, yeah, no, they I can't. I remember watching that movie and being like, oh, I, I've never seen this movie. I want to see it. And then, like, you know, renting it or whatever. And getting to the end, and there's, like, that end scene. Uh, and we being X3 like, or X2? Two. Okay. Wasn't it part two where, where it's the, the Phoenix? Because I thought three was... No, three is where she goes Phoenix, I thought. The was original it? one with Hugh Jackman, that one? Yeah. Yeah, where, uh, what's her face? Famke Jansen ends up destroying everyone. That's the third one, I think. No, it's it's not, because I feel like she's already bad in the third one. Oh, you're talking about the end of the second one where she discovers where she turns, her Phoenix powers. Yes, and it's the, the Phoenix, like, in, uh, like, the water. Right, okay. So I'm right, right? It's part two. I'm getting confused, but I, I, I remember what, what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, but anyway. No, it's going to uh, make it drive you crazy. I, 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 dude, I, watching it, I got to the end, and, you know, it's the, the fucking fiery phoenix scene, and I was like, oh, I've seen this already. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. but the the bad thing is I had watched the entire movie and not once was I like, I've already seen this. Yeah. It wasn't until that last scene. I was like, Oh yeah, I've already seen this fucking movie. And like kind of going back how we were talking about like Star Trek and like James Bond where I'm like, I couldn't tell you what none of those are movies are about. Stay with you. No, it doesn't stay with you. No, I think uh, X- Falling Down I think was one of those movies. Man with the Phoenix thing, but because that's the one that like always gets ragged on. That X three sucks. They cannot get the Phoenix thing right. They just can't. Yeah. And the new one sucks too. The one, the the one. I, I, that, I didn't watch it. It's horrible. It's horrible. All right, so keep going. All right. Well, Falling Down, I think, is great, and then. So here's a, here's a director who does camp really well. And I think that when, when you, when I'm going to see some of these movies, you might not think they're underrated, but I think it's because some of them are get, are, are classics because some of them are just like action classics. But if you put the, the source material in other people's hands, it, it could have been totally different. And there's, and that's been proven. So I'll, um, I'm going to, so Paul Verhoeven is just one of my favorite directors. I love him, um, especially in the 80s and 90s in his heyday. There's four movies here in particular that I'm, um, I'm going to list. And there's Starship Troopers, which is underrated for me because it gets a lot of like heat as just too campy. But that was the whole point. It was like, oh, you want a, like an action movie? Boom. And it had all this meta stuff like in your face. And the action was still brisk. I thought it was awesome. The graphics were pretty cool for the time. Um, Basic Instinct, which is another Paul Verhoeven classic that on the surface seems like, okay, it had a shtick because Sharon Stone spread her legs and, you know, whatever it was like. But yeah, it was kind of a by the numbers, like little like, you know, murder mystery, but it was executed so well. And that's Paul Verhoeven. Um, RoboCop, again, a, a classic, you know, 80s action movie like Total Recall, which is another one that he did. But those two in particular, I think you could say, okay, RoboCop's a classic because of the, 
the shtick of the the robot of the time. Yeah, but the new RoboCop, which I hated, just didn't get it right. It was just, eh, it, there, it's a way to not get it right. Um, and Paul Verhoeven, he just created that aesthetic so well and the Detroit vibe of it all. The whole RoboCop movie is just amazing. And it's not underrated in like action movie circles. I get that. But yeah, I don't think Paul Verhoeven is like a critically acclaimed director in that regard in like critic circles. So this whole category is underrated with critics, I suppose. And then Total Recall, of course, just one of my favorite movies of all time. And yes, it's got all the classic, you know, Arnold tropes of the one-liners and, you know, great action scenes. But at the end of the day, I think a lot of that had to do, it was like a good science fiction movie. It made you think at the end, was it real? Was it not real? It, the characters had life to them. I loved the fact, you know, the, the, that there was, you know, uh, the characters were not just one dimensional, even when they could have just been fake, you know, like, so I, I just thought it was executed really well. There's something about Paul Verhoeven and his execution of movies that in other people's hands could have been too campy that I think is amazing. So I'm gonna stop there. Okay, that's all. That's all of them. No, no, no. I mean, no. I, I for you to react to. I don't know if you had anything to react to all there. Oh yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Um. All right, and then just <laughs> I, I'll, I'll finish my list. So the other um ones on here were what, what did I get through? Okay, the fountain. You know, like the fountain is an acquired taste. It's kind of like tree of life. The Terrence Malick stuff. Darren Aronofsky is a very you know, most of the time I can't watch his movies more than once. Requiem for a Dream. Yes, I liked it when I first saw it. It's one of those that everybody agrees uh, what I want to watch it again. I don't know. Yeah. This The very first movie he ever did. Um, Pie. Pie, which was, I saw in the theaters with my dad. That was super intense. Um, and there's... Dude, dude that's I, just watched, I watched that around. movie. I watched that movie at like midnight once. Like, I was like, oh, you so know what? Fun. I'm about to go to bed. I'm going to put this on. <laughs> That was a, a poor choice on my part. Very poor. Um, but the fountain, he, I think he got a little indulgent after kind of the success of Wrecking for a Dream and some of this other stuff. He got a great cast, Hugh Jackman, it's, it's, underrated that budget. movie. And there was a bigger budget with this movie, and they had like three different timelines of the Mayan thing when the conquistadors kind of like search for the fountain of youth and the modern day equivalent of that where he was a doctor trying to find you know the cure for cancer for his wife uh, who was played by rachel buys and then the future kind of weird psychedelic version where she's like an actual tree and he's in this weird space bubble traveling through space and time so i get it's not everyone's cup of tea and i get it not darren Aronofsky movies are often just very divisive by their very nature like mother right so, you know, and Black Swan and all that finally got like some due because of it was a little bit more conventional in that regard and had just that whole tour performance, tour de force performance by Natalie Portman. But by and large, Darren Aronofsky movies aren't like, you know, even Noah, right? Like it was like a big blockbuster thing, but like no one really cares. So, but I thought The Fountain for me, just it kind of is the forgotten one. And you, you, one you're, that you're I don't know why right. I resonate with it, but I do. You're hundred percent right. It's when I owned it at one point in time and you bringing it up, I was like, Oh yeah, the fountain. And I liked it. Yeah. So yeah, it is definitely, it is more forgotten, but I think, but I think uh, maybe that's the reason. Cause yeah. you know, Not dude, pie record for a dream, black Swan, like a mother. Yeah. Exactly. It gets kind of lost in the shuffle. So um, okay, I'm going to go to a classic here, a classic underrated movie that, again, I think gets a lot of attention in recent years because it's the, you know, um, fiction being true and true being fiction and like playing off of what's real anymore, and that's Idiocracy. And I shouted it from the rooftops since it first came out. I've always been a big Mike Judge fan, but Idiocracy holds up and holds up and holds up the more stupid we get as a society and every culture. 2020 of all years, you got to admit, idiocracy holds up. It just for does. sure. Um, I think, yeah. I think, dude, with that movie, found another life once uh, Trump got elected because you heard <laughs> so much about like President Camacho. Yeah. Yes. You know what I mean? And like, because yeah. I remember during that time, like my wife had never seen it. And she was just like, what is this movie? And I'm like, fucking, please let me, let me, uh, <laughs> Sit down. Let me, uh, you. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, 
And then I think my last one here and not, not, you know, last but not least is um, Apocalypto. So Apocalypto got made in a time when I think a lot of people were hating on Mel Gibson. He, that might've been right after he said some, you know, some harsh things and understandably people were, were upset at him and, you know, he was getting kind of blacklisted and stuff. But um, say what you want about Mel Gibson, but the guy can make a movie. And, um, and I think that Apocalypto is one of those movies that is so true to itself. And in say what you want about again again but he filmed it in mayan and the fact that they were all speaking in mayan there it was such a realism to it i've never seen anything like it and i still haven't seen anything like it since the production quality that went behind it meant that you could actually it looked like there were you know you were back in mayan times with these huge pyramids thousands of you know um extras and cast members and these huge sweeping sets and you know the warfare in it like mel gibson knows how to shoot a great battle scene i remember loving braveheart when i was 15 when it came out and um i just think it's one of those that kind of gets lost in the shuffle because it's not in english um it's from mel gibson who could be divisive and um and you know it's it's not a conventional action movie but when you think about it it's basically a chase movie for the whole like the middle sequence of it to the end it's a chase slash revenge flick which is yeah, so basic so, and primal. It doesn't get more primal than that. Like a guy just like seek just survival, you know, just yeah, I mean, on that's the pretty, run. That's an, that that's whole exactly scene from the beginning mean. of the movie, when he's on the run to the end, you're just literally catching your breath the whole time. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. I recommend anyone watching it. It's, uh, I mean, unless you have issues with the man. And, uh, that's it. it's, Other than that, I could, I mean, just a must watch. So that's my list, man. Um, underrated movies, overrated movies, TV shows, you name it. So, um, but right. I, you probably got a few left on your list, no? Oh yeah, because I haven't done my list yet. <laughs> so let's hear it. Uh, mine's a little bit uh, shorter. I, <laughs> I, I I erased a bunch while before you started giving yours because I was like, let's condense this a little bit, but. Um, uh, a movie I watched marathon sesh for your <laughs> listeners. Sorry about that. I'm definitely splitting this shit up. Um, <laughs> I watched this movie last night. Um, I've seen it numerous, numerous amounts of times. Um, but it was on HBO Max, and I watched it with my son, and he fucking was delighted in it. Uh, Almost Heroes. Wait, which one was that? Almost that Heroes? Was, see, there we go. It's with, it's the forgotten Chris Farley movie. Oh, yeah. It was the Wait last movie that he filmed that he starred in. Um, was that when he was in the Wild West? It was like the yes. John... Wait, yes, with, Matt, with Matthew Perry. Matthew yes. Perry. And then my wife was, when she came out and, and saw it, and she's like... Well, theaters. She was like, Chris Farley and Matthew Perry, that's an odd combo. <laughs> Yes. And I mean, really, it is. It and, is and dude, he, he very much has his Matthew Perry humor. And, and dude, Chris Farley dude, very dude, much brings his Chris Farley-ness. Directed by Christopher Guest. Oh my God, and yeah. then it's directed by Christopher Guest, which is, uh, you know, one of the guys from Spinal Tap who made uh, mockumentaries, his forte with Best in Show. Yep. Um, waiting on Cuffman for your consideration, so on and so on. But yeah, it's it's one of the only movies, it's one of the few movies he's directed that wasn't a fucking mockumentary. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so bizarre. I totally forgot about that movie. Yeah, I did. I saw that in theaters when it came out. But here, And I'm sure I laughed my ass off. That's so funny. Here's the thing. Forgotten in time. It's... It's it's a like I said it's a a, a Chris Mar a Farley movie that's been forgotten. When people think of Chris Farley, they think Tommy Boy, Black Sheep, yep. maybe oh. Beverly Hills Ninja. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, but that one's never on list. That one's never talked about. You're right. Um, I think like the one reason I love it is because it's absurd humor. Yeah. But like you didn't see that kind of absurdity in bigger budget movies at the time like right. now it's not so much a novelty in a time where we have tim and eric 
mm-hmm. though Tim and Eric is not a movie, though they made a movie. Um, but you know what I mean? No, like the absurdist kind of stuff. Yeah, I'll get it. <laughs> and then it's just, you know, like such fucking dumb humor where, um, you know, Matthew, Matthew Perry is sitting in a little tub and his, um, his servant comes in and pours, pours water in his tub. And, and Matthew Perry's like, it's like the water's not nearly as hot as it is in Virginia. And his servant says, it's like, I wouldn't know, sir. I just got done scrubbing my genitals in the cold river. And then Matthew Perry like stops. He's like, yes. Huh. Yes. I, I think I'll wear my Paisley robe tonight. <laughs> like it's one of the jokes that I laughed super hard at, but like, it's a joke too, that I've like, said to tons of people and they're just like am i missing something oh come on you know what i mean but like obviously i butchered it a bit but like his timing is like you think he's going to be sympathetic and be like oh yes you know or say something polite and it's like i think i'll wear my paisley robe tonight (laughs) (laughs) it's so fucking stupid um and then there's like there's a dumb scene with chris farley where he has to get an eagle egg but like he ends up eating it Oh my God, I, I vaguely remember that scene. And there's, yeah. a, there's a, a scene like he'll grab the egg and you hear the, like a, a you know, <laughs> an eagle screeching. <laughs> and they show the same stock footage of the eagle each yeah. time. And he gets attacked by this eagle like four different times. <laughs> and it's like, even when like there's a scene where he gets attacked by it and they're nowhere near where it took place the first time, yeah. like they're on like the opposite side of america and it's like this fucking eagle <laughs> comes out of nowhere and he like looks and it's that same stock footage <laughs> and like See, just that kind of stupid stuff. joke that's uh, the kind of stuff that makes you laugh each and every time you see it which is like a different there's a guttural kind of laugh with those kind of laughs that i think are are r- more rare sadly with comedies now there's something about chris farley i think that like actors like that could really bring it out, you know, and yeah. Chris Farley could just bring out like guttural laughs with his just physical humor alone. And you combine it with like the absurdist shit that like Christopher Guest could bring to it. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that movie doesn't get as much love. That's so true. That's so yeah. funny that, it, that and, you brought that up because I totally the, forgot about it. The thing I like about it is there's very uh, um, stupid humor. Yeah. Where, you know, fucking very broad you know, Chris Farley just yelling and being stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but then there's like a joke where in the very beginning of the film, and then I'll like, I'll leave it at this because I don't want to spoil all of it in case anybody wants to watch it. <laughs> um, but there's a, a scene in the beginning of the film where he's going to get hanged. And the reason he's getting hanged is, or he's going to get hung, is he got drunk and like danced with an officer. <laughs> And like they're reading the charges and they're like, he waltzed with an officer through the hall. And this lady's like, oh, and like faints. <laughs> like they're so overreactive to like yeah. his, you know what I mean? Like who the fuck gets hung for, like, you know what I mean? So there's no, like it's, the it's absurdist. Just, it's behavior. Yeah, it's just absurd. there's also like, like the, the very like subtle, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't even think I picked up on that as a joke when I was a kid. Right. Um, but you know, definitely as an adult, I was like, what the fuck? That's so stupid. Right. Um, speaking of absurdist, another one was slackers, not the Richard Linkletter film. Right. And then not the one from the nineties with what's his name who made out with Selma Hayek and Penelope Cruz. No, like the college one, the one with like, Jason yes. Schwartzman with Jason Schwartzman. Yes. Um. And like Devin Sewa. Yes, and Jason Siegel <laughs> is in it. Okay. Uh, yeah. And um, who else? The one of the Pete's, the older Pete from Pete and Pete's advent, you know, the Adventures of Pete. Pete. Right. Oh my God. But just right. so it was one of the marketed. Writer, it, it was marketed like as like another. Um, American Pie. Yeah. Just very like straightforward. Hey, it's a raunchy. And I didn't want to see it in the theater because I remember seeing the, the commercials and be like, nah, no, thank you. 
because mm-hmm. it just seemed like another ripoff, you know, some nas- National Lampoon type sexcapade. It's fucking, <laughs> but dude, it has some bizarre scenes in it. And I remember, and I won't go into too much detail, but one of the scenes <laughs> is Pete uh, from Pete and Pete is on the couch singing a song. He's singing, um, she'll be coming down the mountain. <laughs> and like he's singing it and then somebody's singing with him and you don't see who's singing with him and like the camera starts kind of panning around you know to him right. and you see that he has a sock on his dick <laughs> and and it's singing with him on his erect dick <laughs> and, and like so him and his erect penis are singing to each other <laughs> and then uh what's his name uh devon calls and like the first thing he's like, he like calls and he answers. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, nothing. <laughs> and then like they go on, but like, um, and then he hangs up and they, you know, he's like, where were we? And they continue singing. I remember when I saw that it caught me off guard. So, cause I didn't expect it to be absurd. And then they just like dive into these, like not of like reality. And then it's kind of a, and it it gets kind of like weirdly dark at times, right? Where it does get weirdly dark. It's a, it's, I will say this. If it's, it's only uh, sin is being like tonally all over the place. Right. Where I think in today's day and age plays better than back then, because now we have things where they're kind of like shows like Atlanta Mm -hmm. where, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, you can work one half multiple. an hour, dude. It's it's kind of all right. over the place. It could be multiple things, and it yeah, could be multiple thing. things. Right. And as long as it's well written, you know, you can be along for the ride. Right. Um. Which I know goes against my statement of alien and alien. No, but this was like 2002, and the type of genre that that it that it was marketing itself towards was expecting like a very run of the mill American Pie type of comedy. Yeah, and it, and it definitely wasn't that. And I think right, um, very absurdist. So both of those are very absurd. Both of them caught me off guard because I was expecting straight aheadness. Right. And neither one live in actual reality. <laughs> um, Slackers is a little more disconnected from reality. <laughs> yeah. Um, than, than almost heroes, but almost heroes is pretty close. Right. Uh, so uh, what else? Okay. Another kind of twofer is two movies from the 80s that I think hold up just as well. Like, I would put them on and be like, to, to any, you know, buddy who watches movies and be like, no, this, like, not, and you know what I mean? Like, sometimes you have to be like, they do some explaining, like, no, it was the first of its kind. And, you know, mm-hmm. you, you know, like, they're, no, I think these can hold up just as well. Uh, Real Genius. Oh, so good. Which uh, almost didn't put it on because I feel like the people who know it like it. Like, I don't feel like it's necessarily like under underrated, mm-hmm. but I don't feel like it's a movie that gets brought up very yeah. often. Like, I don't think like when people talk about 80s comedies, Breakfast Club always gets thrown out there. Or you know what I mean? Or like any 80s movies. Or even like, Top Secret. If you're going to go Val Kilmer, uh, you get Top true. Secret more than Real than Real Genius. But see, I watched Top Secret recently. It doesn't hold up as much as Real Genius. I Yeah, no, I agree with that. But yes, Top Secret is, it was, dude, I loved that movie growing up. But like I tried to watch it with my son and like he wasn't having it. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the jokes he didn't get. I think I think that's probably what it was too. Yeah, a lot of the, the Abram Zucker kind of comedy depends. You know, sometimes <laughs> the the jokes are adult, or sometimes you're laughing. You don't even know why you're laughing. It's just the delivery of it, like an airplane. Half of the jokes I didn't get at, when I was a kid, but I do now. You know, but I still was laughing back then. I don't know. But the, I mean, there's certain things that just like either don't exist anymore. Yeah, you know that's what true. I mean? Like because it's from a time gone. Yeah. Whereas in Real Genius. It's about, you know, it's Big Bang-ish where it's like a young kid right. gets into Just college. Himself. Right. And, and, and like, dude, like the, the. Actually being smart. Well, yeah. Like, and they were talking about like the, the real science behind it. Like there's actual, yep. 
It's not just fucking like when you watch hackers, like, yeah, yeah, fucking, um, like they actually hired scientists to do it, but like, right. The movie itself, it starts off with a group, uh, like a government agency looking yeah. at a high-powered laser that they can kind of either shoot from the air or space yeah. to a specific target, and, like, it kind of will destroy, like, you know what I mean? It's a one-time thing. Right. And that, that you can kind of take out someone from anywhere. Like, and then they would, like, there was no trace of where it came from. Yeah. You know what Crazy. I mean? It was just like, Which they so, explored in Captain America Winter Soldier, didn't they? Did they do that? Yeah, with the, uh, the, the, the things that they were trying to kill, like the people uh. before they were in guilty. That's what they were trying to um, shoot down. The, when Sh- S.H.I.E.L.D. finally got revealed that they weren't being operated by S.H.I.E.L.D. anymore and they were, um, mm. they were you know, Hydra. they were all Hydra agents and all that. Robert Redford was like, no, no, we're going to do this and shit. It's the same concept. That's interesting. That yeah, real. But yeah, yeah you're and right. That was that was eighty. That. that was eighty-five. Eighty-five. Yeah. And what we'll do, and there's like a lot of themes in there that like are still, I don't know, not valuable, but like they still hold true to today. I think so. And I think the comedy holds up. Yeah. You know, um, there there's like some super witty one-liners. There's obviously some cheese. But it subverts enough of those cliche expectations you might be expecting with like a coming of age college kind of story that keeps it just like unpredictable enough too. you know what I mean? When I think that separates it too from some of the other movies in the 80s that were just more rote, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing. And like I've watched a lot of these 80 movies, um, like The Secret of Mike's Success. Mm-hmm. which I think is a great movie, but like, I understand why it's not the, you know, the widely praised uh, Michael J. Fox. It's not the go-to Michael J. Fox movie. Right. Um, dude, clearly like, it's not back to the future. It's but like it. When you watch it, it's very like, you can tell that they had somewhat of an idea and then it was heavily edited. And like, you know what I mean? Like, cause part way through, you're like, what are they doing? You know what I mean? Like uh, the, a, a lot of '80s movies suffer from that, where they're like, "We're gonna make a movie about what? Fucking fuck you! You're fired." Yeah. You no, know what I mean? No. And then they just start kind of shooting, or it, they had a movie and it was like, "All right, well, you know, now two hours is the norm." But it was like, you know, during the coke-fueled '80s, they're like, "We need to shorten yeah. this shit up, seventy minutes max." Yep. So you get a lot of movies that are like heavily edited and like the story, the story suffers real mm-hmm. genius. Uh, not the case. Yeah. I think, I think the acting, I think Val Kilmer's fucking amazing in it. And if you ever want to see him exercise his comedic chops, I think this is cause uh, you know, top secret gets thrown out, but I think this one is his like pinnacle. I agree. Uh, you know, followed by, Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Another underrated movie. Yeah, oh, Shane so Black, good. by the way. Exactly, yeah. yeah but like this, he's more comedic as a, you know, kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Uh, Downey Jr. carries carries it a little more. Like Kilmer's a little more of the straight man, but still yeah, knocks it out of the park. Um, but yeah, I think. Well, Kilmer so, showed, in Tombstone, Kilmer showed he can do, you know, the crazy yeah. guy if you wanted to with the, his whole, um, you know, um, take on uh, what's his face? Come on, Tombstone Holiday. Holiday, yeah. So that I think is super underrated. Um, but I the agree. second movie, the second movie from uh, the '80s, I think is crazy underrated. Mainly because, at least with Real Genius, I, I feel like there's some, you know what I mean. Every once in a while fucking someone will make a popcorn reference or tears for, you know what I mean? Like I'll see on Reddit, like something, you know, and like, they'll like, I'll find the random real genius references. They're very random and they're very few and far between. Yeah. But they're there. (laughs) The next movie I've never seen any fucking references to the money pit. (laughs) 
which is funny because I remember being like a thing at the time because like Tom Hanks was like prime like comedic days like before he went drama and Shelly Long was like I don't know if she had just been replaced on Cheers or if she was still just like riding high on Cheers before Christy Alley took over but that whole like I think she was, still, think she was still on because it was eight that movie was 85 so then, then yeah, oh, no, was prime Cheers exactly so you get bosom buddies you get Cheers you know and it was like oh my god uh, but but it pff, history has forgotten the money pit very much so but dude there's nothing like especially i mean man just some of the the humor i think they take their time again with it with the frustrations with some of those jokes with like the, the staircase and all that kind of stuff it's just like oh my god it's hard to watch but you're like it's you can't not watch agreed <laughs> Um, like, oh yeah. He's uh, one of the main dude. The dude who directed uh, Money Pit is one of the main guys. <clears throat> obviously, not uh, Yul Brenner or James Brolin uh-huh. uh, from Westworld, the movie. His name is oh. Richard Benjamin. Oh, Richard Benjamin. That's right. Yeah. Which is a weird thing. And he also directed uh, Milk Money and Made in America. That. Whoopi Goldberg and Ted Danson. Oh my God, that's right. Movie, yeah. Money. Oh my God, I remember Milk Money. Yeah. Good, good trivia. All right. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So, I've watched that movie multiple times. I've shown it to multiple people, and uh, I, I watch it at least once a year. Um. <laughs> that's funny. But dude, I think it like the comedy. Yeah, like the staircase. Just like. Not not only once you get past like the um, the slapstick because there dude it is slapsticky. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, that's, it, like that's on a grand scale, it is it slapstick. Is. Right. Um, as well, but Jerry Lewis instead of Tom Hanks, right? Once you get past that, I mean, you're really watching a demise, like the 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 fucking demise of a relationship, like the crumbling. Which is like no, no different than Blue Valentine. That if you're gonna go that far, I mean, for the most, like, dude, because it, <laughs> it goes from like super slapsticky to almost like the the end. You know what I mean? Like, it starts getting like sad. It it is sad actually, and then you, you start to get sad. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but like it it really does kind of like it's almost the house is a metaphor of like, well, when's enough enough? Uh, how much are you gonna put yourself through when this is obviously not working? But I always thought that relationship with that like Russian dancer guy from like Die Hard, that same, but that I forgot the actor's name, but like, you know, I'm talking about his character always like skewed me out. I always had this weird thing, but I came out when we were like kids. So I I had this like notion of this guy. He was always going to like take my wife away in the future. I never knew who he was. You know, it's it's funny. It's the same thing. I always (laughs) thought he was skeevy and a piece of shit. And then (laughs) as an adult, I watch him. And I'm like, oh, he's like, he's still a piece of shit, but like, he's the only honest one in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> which is like, right. Yeah. And like, cause he, like, there's a, there's a part where like, she's like, you're in love with yourself. And he's like, yeah, and. <laughs> he's just keeping her real, man. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, like, I know what I want. Like, he knows what he wants. He knows what he's about. He never lies about it. And he never, and like, he even says it. He's like, you know, why are you lying to, you know, so-and-so or like, why don't you, why aren't you being honest? Why can't you just say what you feel? And like, and and those are, those are subtle things, not subtle, but those are things I didn't pick up on as a kid. Cause I'm, you know, watching Tom Hanks fucking get electrocuted. Right. Exactly. And, you know, instead, and then as an adult, I watch and I'm like, yeah, but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> fantastic movie uh not only is it funny it's uh pulls on the heartstrings it's yeah it's, man oh, it's a I, good one for relationships well i know that tom um, hanks I really liked was the burbs i, I love the burbs too but i don't I know if it's underrated burbs. i think people like the burbs i think so too because i was actually going to put that one on there and like like i said I think uh, like it, at least fans no huh i think people like it though right at no, least no, fans, people, people right? love that movie yeah, right. So, no, you know. like I said, I was going to put it on, but like uh, I, I didn't really say this. One of the things that made for me an underrated movie, because there was times I was like, oh, I'm going to put this on there. And then I would go on IMDb 
and it's like a nine or an eight. Yeah. I'm like, well, obviously it's not that underrated. Right. Um, you know, so. That's like, like that, that was, I can see. But, yeah, so, exactly. so, but there's also movies in small circles where it's considered the best. And That's true. Um, I, I had a, cause like what money pit is rated a 6.4 on IMDb. Mm. So there was that, I was like, well, if it's huge in this circle, should it be put on as well? So I tried to do a little bit of both. So like stuff that I don't really hear people talk about. And then it wasn't really like rated very well on IMDb. That's interesting. Um, so um let's go a dramatic let's go dramatic because the, the last couple are comedies <laughs> um scenic route was that um with uh joe wait no um josh duhamel yes very okay. good okay and then what's his name dan fogler who's yes, like the oh heavy God, set guy who, about that. that was like your favorite movie of 2013 dude it, it was. It was like fucking. It was yes. my number one. I love that year, and that was at the top. That was your number one favorite movie of 2013. Was Scenic Road, dude. No one, no one. Uh, like when it came out, I told all my friends to watch it. And I don't think mm -hmm. not one of them watched it. Much like Infernal Affairs. Yeah, right. <laughs> so the Departed. Um, that's right. Yes. So Scenic Route. I'm going to keep this very vague because, uh, and much like the second movie I'm going to talk about, uh, the next one, mainly because anybody who's listening who hasn't seen it, just watch it. Yeah. I think it's, it's more of, uh, it's, it's more of a, um, it's not a comedy by any means. Um, even though it has a comedic lead in it, I think, uh, Josh, Josh Duhamel, doesn't get the credit he deserves for acting. Like sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, he's just like known as the pretty boy. And he doesn't really get good, like too many good roles. This was the role, cause I almost didn't watch it because he was in it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, fucking Fergie's husband, I don't know. Right. And so I watched it and like, same thing with Dan Fogel. I was like, nah, that fucking dude from Balls of Fury, I don't know. Yep, kind of annoying, yeah. <sighs> kind of annoying and I watched it and it fucking, dude, and maybe because I wasn't expecting anything from it. Right. It hit me. Like I can, I can fully see someone watching this and being like, uh, bullshit. Dumb. That's fine. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, but I had no, no nothing going into it. Like I didn't even know what the fuck it was about. <clears throat> and then watched it. And, uh, it was a fucking, it was, dude, it, it surprised me. It was good. And unlike other movies, I've, I've never heard anyone fucking talk about that movie. No, no, they don't. That movie definitely, if you hadn't told me about it, I, I don't know if I would have ever heard, seen it unless I was flipping on, if it's on a, a streaming service or something. Honestly. It yeah, that's what I'm like, talking about. It's, dude, and same thing with uh, a couple more of these. Um, my other movie is Triangle, which is, uh, it's made by a British dude who did, well, I want to say, what's that movie with, um, fucking the dude. movie, right? Yeah, he, uh, he did Black Death with uh, Ned Stark. Rashawn Bean, right? Yeah. Rashawn Bean, yeah. And then he did a movie called Severance, which was really good. Triangle, though. Now, you want to talk about a movie that fucking caught me off guard? Like this was this was it. Um, I'm really gonna say even littler about <laughs> this one, other than I saw it on YouTube when I was just like bored in my room one day and i was like trying to find any full movie that youtube had uploaded right and there was a, a bank heist movie that i forgot the name of but it was pretty funny but it wasn't like great like it wasn't the most best thing i ever seen but like for fucking 
you know, some movie that just someone uploaded onto YouTube and it had actual actors in it. It wasn't just like a YouTube movie. Um, right. Right. Um, but like I, so this one was on there and I remember I like, I don't even think I looked it up. I think I just was just like, Oh, a full movie fucking play. And then, uh, I, I oh, dude, it was like one of the last movies I bought. Because, like, at this point, I don't really buy movies anymore. Right. Um, mainly, and well, like, the, the last, I bought a bunch just recently because Criterion had a sale. <laughs> where it was, like, 50% off. So I bought, like, Repo Man, Blue Velvet, Brazil. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, a bunch of these fucking movies. Like, Days of Confused. Classics. You, you know what I mean? Like... So yeah. I was like, I'm, uh, I'm getting all these. Um, I remember I got that one though. Cause like, holy shit. Now this is a movie I was talking about when we were talking about with inception where like, and this is the only thing I'll give away. Like pay the fuck attention to this movie. Hmm. Um, it's, it's very much, uh, I feel like it's a movie that Lynch wishes he could do, but isn't smart enough to pull off. And yes, shots fired. Wow. But like, dude, I, I mean, it feel like it feels like an abstract movie, but if you pay attention, it's not. Where mm-hmm. I feel like with a lot of Lynch's movies, even though I love them, sometimes I don't think he knows what he's doing. Sometimes I think he's just throwing shit at the board. Making shit up. Yeah, right. And there were you know certain- what I mean? I don't think there's like, oh, no, here's no. the actual meaning. Like when I saw, you know, did you ever watch Enemy? And Enemy? No. It's with Jake Gyllenhaal where like he runs into his doppelganger. Oh, oh. No, I never actually saw that one. It so. was done by uh, the dude who did Arrival, Prisoners, who's doing Dennis the Dennis Villanueva, yeah. yeah. No, no, I like him. I never yeah. actually saw Enemy, though. That movie is fucking mwah. But, like, there's weird shit in it, but when you see it, you're like, well, he's a smart enough dude. I'm sure there's a reason for why I'm seeing what I see, as opposed to, Come on, I don't think you know what you're talking about. Which is about. why I'm glad he, they, he, he's doing the new Dune remake, because that looks promising. Same. Same. Yeah. So, um, Triangle, it's a movie that rarely gets brought up, even in, like, horror. Uh, it's, it, it's border horror. I'll, I'll just, I guess I spoiled a little bit, but. No, I get um, it. I mean, I just, I, I just uh, you know, I, 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 I trust your word when it comes to this kind of stuff. It's uh, it's dude, it, I like I. It's a movie that never almost gets brought up, and it's one of my fucking favorite movies of all time. Like if I had to make a t- like, that would definitely make it. Like talk about a movie like I, I, I only needed to see once, and I will never fucking forget it. I've seen it multiple times, but you know what I mean. Like the first time I saw it, I was just like, oh my god! Like I thought about it for days and weeks and months, and it was just like, holy shit, that was a good movie. And I watched all of his other movies because of that. Really? Wow. They're not, the other movies aren't as good. I mean, Black <laughs> Death and Severance are as good, but like that one is the pinnacle. Like, you know what I mean? I, I started I with the best. I did see Black Death. Which was a good movie. Which was a good movie. It was yeah. fine, you know? Like, it was brutal up at the end. God damn. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Triangle. But, that was another thing. I was like, eh. Um, do was it did blow me away more because I knew nothing going in? Yeah, no, that's fair. And it was just one of those like, what's this? And then I pushed play, and it was like, holy shit! It just takes over you. That, I didn't expect it to be. Those, it, those, you know what? You, but you're you go and pursue movies like that. I think that makes you a unique film goer. Most people won't do that. You know? Do you think? I mean not the general masses, you know, they're going to settle on whatever Netflix tells them they recommended for them to watch, you know, it's so unfair, but, uh, you know what? Um, I'm Dude, I will say this about me. Um, 
and like I, I hate to keep bringing up music, but uh, I remember my buddy Pat telling me about like some bands, and he's like, "Oh, you know, listen, to, like, have you heard of Tragedy or Doom Riders or you know, so and so and so and so and this and this?" And I was just like, "No." Yeah. And then I listened to it and I'm like, holy shit, what is this? This is amazing. And then, and then I go and look and I'm like, wait, this album came out in fucking, you know, 1999 and it's now, you know, 2009. I'm like, this shit's 10 years old and they have like 20 other albums. You know what I mean? And like a, a huge following, like how the fuck did this slip under my radar for so long? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then um, I, I like like fucking Mogwai or any of those. You know what I mean? It's like people don't like there's a lot of people who don't know. It and it's like, what? The, this is a band that's been around for how long now? And like, you know what I mean? Play shows all over the world. Yeah. And so I, I physically get ang- like I get angry thinking that there is an album and or movie out there that's amazing that I won't either see or hear because I just didn't take those extra steps to fucking find it. You know what I mean? Cause I'm just like, Oh, I'm just going to settle for this. And I'm like, cause there's so many albums that I've heard where like, I'll give you an example. The last year it was like my number two album. And it only, it only, it would have been my number one album, but uh, a band via satellite put out an album that fucking, (laughs) Uh, um, the it, the band is called the Minyana People, right? Mm-hmm. When it's folk Americana, and like it had some stupid album cover, but like the name and the genre right away turned me off. I'm like the Minyana People, fucking Americana folk, but boo, because like generally <laughs> I don't like Americana folk singer songwriter bullshit sure um put it on i'm dude at just on a whim i was like eh, i don't know I'm just fucking taking it out um, and i pushed play and the first song was okay i don't even think i listened to the entire thing i was like nah. skip to the next song was listening to it and like they had this interesting chord change i was like oh that caught my attention and like it's very much horror folk like they have these weird they have these weird dark like chords that you know like it sounds eerie and uh like fucking one of the songs i remember like it was like it went into like the chorus and like a theremin came in and i was like oh yeah i'm like all right (laughs) yeah nothing screams like all right a little creepy like bringing a theremin so, I mean, they're, they're like, I don't know, like a folk version of the Black Heart Procession or, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, sounds, so, but like, sounds very intriguing, actually. Dude, I think you would like them. I really think you'll, I'll, I'll send you. I love uh, that it, kind of stuff. I'm, yeah, I'm going to Google it, man. The Manana people, like, yeah. tomorrow in Spanish, the Manana. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, so, uh, but like, I would have never heard that had I not. Like if I would have just been like, and fucking flip through, I would have completely missed that. Yeah. So no, it's the same it's, thing with like, there's, there's movies out there where I'm like, there's a movie out there like triangle and, or uh scenic roots or, yeah, or Tucker and Dale versus evil. Fucking dude. So many movies where like, it's not a movie that gets talked about. Yeah. But yet like, it's one of my favorites. Right. And so like, it's it's almost like I don't want to say OCD because it kind of fucking <laughs> values what OCD really is, but like it, my brain won't let me move past because I'm just like oh like dude, there's been so many times where I'm like looking at something I'm like it might be good, <laughs> like I ha- like I have to I like dude there are two different sites that I go to daily, one for music, one for movies. The movie one is a bit slow nowadays for obvious reasons. The music yeah. one hasn't stopped. Um, but like, and I go through and I look at everything new that's come out, like, and I'm like, so I'm, I don't stop searching because 
I can't handle the fact that something's coming out that will like blow my mind. That's fascinating to me. And I, I think that I love having a friend like you because, you know, I'm oftentimes the kind of, like the, you know, I've been a curmudgeon for years. And so I'm like, they don't make music like they used to. And like, you're the kind of friend who's like, all right, these are my top albums from this year. And I'll play them and I'll be like, holy shit, wait, this came out this year? And you're like, yeah. I'm like, wait, what? It's because it's not mainstream. You do have to go out and search it. It's not going to come to you, good music, you know? It's, uh, good movies, I guess, you know? It's like, hard too. Like, I, dude, it's exhausting and I get it. Uh, I get pe- people being like, oh, what's in front of me is what's in front of me and I guess I'll do that. Right. Because the shit's exotic. Like, dude, you have to fucking dig and like, I get like, no one wants to come home from work you know what I mean? And like, I used to do like, that when I was like 23, 24, you know? But see, but. for me, it's, the, it's almost, it's my form of like decompress. Like, it's actually my, like, yeah. uh, a lot of times it's my form of like coffee, like, or mm-hmm. decompress. Like, it's my, like, I go and search. I'm like, when I wake up, I'm like, I scroll IMDb news and then I go on, you know, certain sites and it's like, what's new? Yeah. So. No, well, it's like why well, you watched the whole um, the film festival, right? Recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what you got to do, man. I'm, I'm listen. I'm I'm glad I have friends like you. Um, thank you for inviting me to the podcast. It's almost four a.m. my time, so this goes to show how much I value you, you know, and your artistic opinions because clearly. Um, but I know I've got to wake up in a couple hours here on Father's Day here in 2020. Oh, yeah. Happy, um, happy Father's Day. <laughs> happy Father's Day to you, sir. Um, now that it is Father's Day on the West Coast. But I'm so glad that you invited me on this show, man. And um, I hope we can do it again with some other topics that maybe don't need to take three and a half hours. But you and I could talk movies for hours and hours. So it was a great True. topic for, for me. A natural starting with soundtracks is somebody who had a, a show about soundtracks for three years in college, I could just say, you picked the right guy to talk about it. I could talk about that all day. So movies all day. And, um, I just love you, man. So thank love you so you, much. Man. Yeah, man. Thank you for being on. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of that meddlesome jerk. <laughs>